do not try and bend the spoon. That's impossible. Instead, only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. My views are my own. You heard it here first, first, first. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. This episode is brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. Now, if you've been listening recently, you know that I've been putting a lot of hard work to create a brand new theme song for the William Mitchell Audio brand. But word came down from corporate and they said they want the song to sound edgier. They want that song to sound like it came from the streets. They want that song to sound like it would launch the career of Alyssa Milano. And I knew exactly what they meant. So... If you'd like to hear it, here it goes. There's a time for life and a time for living. You take your chance and face the wind. An open road and a road that's hidden. A brand new life around the bend. There were times I lost a dream or two. But William Mitchell Audio is here to find the dream for you. Go to williammitchellaudio.com. My guest today is Zoe Falk. Zoe Falk's parents were middle-class drug addicts, and their eventual divorce was total war. A conflict so vicious, it even bankrupted a couple of attorneys. Malnourished, hopelessly behind in school, and with her mother in jail, Zoe moved from the Northern Bay Area to a small town in the Oregon wilderness. 500 miles from home, at school, she felt socially awkward as the odd kid. From her cousin, she learned that adventure can and should be found every day. She dug deep to become a champion runner and a straight-A student, eventually graduating from university with two degrees in four years while working as a caregiver, overcoming innumerable obstacles and suffering a heartbreaking loss. At just 22, she achieved her dream of living and working in Spain, where she became a teacher who was deeply loved by staff and students. And she has written her book, The Adventure Guide to Living a Kick-Ass Life, to help anyone facing challenges in their life to grow, live an exhilarating life, and become the best version of themselves through the power of adventure. What's up, Zoe? Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm th that's like one of the best reading someone's bios I've ever done where I, I didn't mispronounce anything or like stutter. So I'm pretty stoked. <laughs> I'm very proud of um, you. <laughs> this is uh, the first episode of the year. And I have to say, welcome to the year of the tiger. Uh, and I believe the year of the tiger corresponds to doing uh, big and bold things. Do you have any uh, bold plans for this year? Um, well, I did just take on a job as a travel guide um, that's going to allow me to be traveling the world and guiding trips around different countries. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And um, I do have a goal of trying to achieve more countries than age that I have. So I'm trying to keep up with that goal and um, hopefully, 
you know, obtain more countries this year. Sick. Uh, how many countries yeah. are you at right now? I'm at 25. And how old are you? 25. All right. You're kicking yeah. ass so far. <laughs> <laughs> so I just got to keep at least one more over, over my age. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I guess you picked like the right job for the, for the goal. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also planning on trying to get either my paragliding or my skydive certification this year. Uh, that'll probably oh, yeah. be for the end of the year though. I've wanted to go paragliding for forever. I'm, I, that, I should put that on my uh, big and bold list of uh, Year of the Tiger to do. Yeah, I um, agree. I guess, oh, I, I was going to start out first with uh, some questions just from the listeners. But surprisingly, it ended up being the kind of thing where uh, everyone that wrote in a question for you basically all asked just the same question. I think it's probably just the kind of thing on people's minds right now. Like, it's not what I expected. I thought people might say like, oh, what's your craziest adventure or whatever. But everybody seemed to be asking uh, basically the same thing. Uh, and it's how do you find the inspiration and motivation to sit down and write an entire book? And as a matter of fact, uh, I'm curious about that as well, because I started a book last year and I am constantly finding reasons to do other things than write it. I'm sure a lot of people find themselves in that boat when faced with a task like that. So did that question make sense? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I do get that question quite a lot, actually, because um, surprisingly, I did finish it in a quick amount of time. And I didn't even realize that it was a quick amount of time. So I started writing the book in fall of 2019. And then I ended up publishing it the summer of 2021. And um, I guess my motivation to keep going with the book was just the the impact I wanted it to have on other people. Um, I really wanted to do something to give back and really help with this mental health crisis and use my story and my words as the platform to help with that. And that's what, you know, really was my driving force. And um, I ended up losing a brother to suicide a couple years ago. And um, I wanted to do something in his honor and, you know, something to help other people who are, you know, going through depression or suicidal thoughts. And um, that was like a lot of my driving force was to keep going with that. And um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I had a lot of rough times where I wanted to give up, but I just kept going. And I'm really proud that I, I made it to the finish line. And I also have to thank a lot of my my stepdad, who's an author too. He was my book guru, I would say. He helped um, help me through the process and understand all the steps and pieces in order to get from start to finish. Um, anytime I was confused or, you know, I was having a bit of a hard time in a certain part of the, the publishing process, he was very helpful and a huge motivator for me. Absolutely. Um Great answer. Yeah, I, did. I mean, obviously, I read your book. And thank you so much for signing it. So I am adding it to my bookshelf uh, with uh, uh, signed autograph copies of books. It's actually probably one of my favorite things since I started this podcast is like, I mean, my bookshelf, I you know, I, I have more than one bookshelf, but I love like, the specialness of having uh, authors that not only have I met, but I, you know, I got like a little signature on there. And I think you wrote, wrote me a little note. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I guess moving just a little bit forward, uh, not to brush past everything you just said, but I think we're going to get back into a lot of that as we go. Um, just to, I guess this is a broad question, but that's why you wrote an entire chapter on it. And the question is, uh, how do you, I mean, you personally, how do you define adventure? How do I define adventure? Well, for me, I think that there 
um, is such a spectrum and um, different levels of adventure you can find every day. So in my book, I kind of discuss like the different levels of adventure, you know, from like level one to like level 10 adventure and just finding something that is, you know, unique and special in every day. Um, that kind of is a daring or thrilling experience to you, you know, and that looks different for every person, you know, somebody who has never, you know, maybe is a picky eater and doesn't really, you know, try foods outside of their general, you know, diet, you know, they try a different type of food and that could be an adventure to them or, you know, taking a trip, a weekend trip to a different state could be an adventure to somebody. So I think it is very relative to the person and, um, just finding something that is unique and special that is going to be something you'll carry with you. Um, it's kind of the way I see adventure and, you know, there's so much to experience and, um, have happened in this world and you want to just try to taste everything you can. And that's kind of the way I, I view adventure in my life. I like your, uh, I guess like when you're saying like, when you put it at like a scale of one to 10 and what, well, like a t- do you mean by that, do you mean like a 10 would be like the gnarliest crazy adventure? Like you just went and did Indiana Jones. Is that kind of what you mean? And, and then one is yeah. like, I went to a brand new restaurant and had a great time. Is, is that kind of what you mean by that? Yes, I think every single day there's an opportunity for adventure and that's the way I see every single day and I try to find my adventure every day even if it's a very small thing, even if it's something small and goofy like, I don't know, doing a taste test of different teas or, you know, something silly like that that's a memorable experience to me um, that is is outside of my you know, general day-to-day things that I would do. So that maybe be something like a level one and then like a level 10 in my life, I'd say like the craziest adventure, like I can pick up on the top of my head. I had a couple, but like getting lost in the Andorran peaks. I think if you read through my book at that last part where I got lost in the mountains and, you know, was scaling up and down and, um, you know, end up having to hitchhike with a French couple down to another town and, you know, having my brother almost call search and rescue on me. Like that was pretty level 10 adventure right there, you yeah, know, like, yeah, being <laughs> like lost in the mountains is here. level 10. for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's actually some of my least favorite kind of adventures being like, yeah. uh, terrifyingly lost in the wilderness. <laughs> but, I, and, but I mean, obviously level 10 adventure is like, I mean, you got to have it all, but I think, you know, sometimes too, like you were saying, uh, some of the ones that are like lower on the, uh, on the scale can be some of the most fun, like really cool, rewarding adventures. Like I can think of times like where I did something like just, um, you know, I live here in Nashville and we're, we got a, a lot of rivers and, and it's, and you don't have to get very far outside of this city to get to some pretty like beautiful nature. So I would do like, I'll do something like just go get like a six pack of beer and go down to this like uh, canoe rental place and go and, you know, barely even pa- just float down the river, you know, yeah. and that's, and that's my day. <laughs> and I'll call that an adventure. I'll just try to be like, that was my adventure for the day. And it's, but you know, like, yeah, you feel like you had a kick-ass adventure. I think sometimes even when it's like, you know, I would put that on a scale of like two or two, three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And I think it's all dependent on what you define as adventure too. And like something that kind of, you know, when you have that spark and you you're talking about a story with such excitement, you know, like even you're explaining that story and you have that excitement. I think that is where uh, that energy of adventure comes from. And it, you know, it's a feeling, it's kind of like love, you know, you can't really describe love all the time, but you kind of have that feeling of adventure when you're, you know, kind of have that purpose and meaning behind life. And it kind of, like sparks that to you. And that's what I, I would see as adventure. And it's kind of one of those 
you know, you kind of find it within yourself, but it's hard to describe as a, as a, you know, definition necessarily. But, um, I think it's something that we all have inside of us. Yeah. So I guess, you know, it is, it is up to each and every individual to decide for themselves, like how they define it, the adventure for themselves, how they define, how they define that scale and how, Mm -hmm. how high up on the scale do they really want to go? Right. (laughs) Not not that it's always your, uh, Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't interrupt you. I, I was just going to say that uh, not that it's always your choice because sometimes a level 10 adventure comes into your life and you have no control over the fact that that's what's just going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and like through the obstacles of life too, I also see those really tough and gnarly times as part of the adventure story too. I, you know, I describe, I put, put it all under the same umbrella of adventure. You know, I think um, if we can see it that way, kind of like the hero's journey, you know, overcoming those obstacles as part of your adventure story that can also be part of your, your own like form of adventure too. Not that it's something that you choose, but that you decide to take on and overcome. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and this actually kind of like segues really good into like another thing I wanted to ask you and that's, uh, in your book, you introduce a lot of unique phrases. Uh, and one of the first ones is intuition as the compass. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I guess I should just ask, what, what do you mean by that phrase? <laughs> well, I feel like there's a lot of times in your life where um, sometimes you make decisions that don't make sense to other people. Um, but if it makes you happier, it you should you know make that decision. And that's kind of like using your intuition where like... Um, you know, for example, if you're in a relationship with somebody, maybe they're great and they're, you know, they have no problems and they're just an awesome person, but you just don't click with them. And that's kind of like your intuition telling you that you're maybe not meant to be that person or, um, with a job, you know, all those things I kind of, you know, talk about relationships in my book too. And I feel like that goes a lot with intuition. Um, it's just kind of like those feelings that you, uh, you can't really describe and like reasons why, you know, you make a decision to do something that doesn't make sense to other people or even to yourself sometimes, but you follow that intuition and it ends up, you know, paying off and being a very rewarding thing. Like for me, I, I would say an example of following my intuition was, you know, like selling my car and all my things and moving to Spain, you know, it didn't really make sense like at the time to do that, but I was really happy I did. And it was kind of like my intuition calling and I followed it. Do you think uh, that people often ignore their intuition? I would say a lot of the time, yeah, there's like, I don't know the exact statistic, but there's like over 60%, maybe even 70% of people stay with a job that they don't like. And it's nothing, nothing's keeping them there. You know, it's only because they feel like they have to be there. Um, But if we're, if more people were to listen to their intuition, they would realize that like, oh, that job was like benefiting me to have that experience. I learned a lot, but it's not where I want to be. And if they were like more willing to follow their intuition and, you know, go down the other route, it's not easier, but it definitely is simple. It's like, sometimes the simple things aren't easy, but it is like where your like intuition is calling you. A lot of the times we ignore it as we get older, you know, as kids, we, we don't really like shut that voice up in ourselves and we don't do things that we don't want to do and that aren't true to us. But as adults, we feel like we have to follow some sort of narrative that isn't even our own. And I feel like when we lose touch with our intuition, our own story, then we like lose touch of like who we actually are. And we don't even follow our own stories. And I have, uh, you just made me think this, and it's not like a question that I'd written in it. And I know that it's an extraordinarily difficult question to answer. So I'm not trying to like 
put you on yeah. the spot because it's, I mean, this is like the kind of question that like, you know, philosophers sit down and write in and meditate yeah. on for years and years and years and trying to figure out, but like, but I guess, I mean, it, just through your own experiences and your own adventures and your own obstacles that you've overcome, like, uh, what do you think are some ways, you know, that people can find, find a way to stop ignoring their own intuition and maybe like find the way to like, I guess it's like an inner voice, right? Is that kind of like a, one way to put it? Like how to yeah. maybe start listening to, listening to your inner voice and listening to your inner intuition. And so that you're, uh, so that it is guiding you and it is a compass um, more so than, you know, like you said, lots of, so many people are day-to-day -day ignoring that intuition. What are, mm -hmm. maybe, what are maybe some ways to try to uh, hear it more clearly? Yeah, I think for me, I, I try to almost like fantasize or like imagine what I would visualize as my perfect life. And then, um, you know, sometimes it's not very clear and there's a lot of questions that you might still have. But um, and then checking like what that is and like really writing down and getting, you know, super detailed about that and then looking at your own current life next to it and being like, what things are am I currently doing that aren't, you know, lining up with my own values and what I want to be doing? And then like, how can I change those things? And like, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job, maybe it's where you're actually living, you know, a fill in the blank. And, you know, like, I think a lot of us don't take the time to like reflect and like think about where we've come, where we are now and like where we actually want to be. And, you know, the future. So like, as I've talked in my book, it's so uncertain. And like, the only thing we can really, you know, hone in on is like what we're going through right now. And like, what's going to make you happy, like right now and being as present as you possibly can, I would say is like a very helpful way. And like, if you can figure out what presently, you know, challenging you or giving you a hard time, I think then you can like alleviate those pain points and then get towards the path that's going to fulfill you more. And it's not easy all the time. You have to do, you know, sometimes you have to dig in deep and like do some things that you don't want to do to get to where you want to go. But as long as it's worth where you want to go, then, you know, make it, make it part of that story. I don't know if, uh, if you're into meditation at all, but I feel like that's one of the benefits of it. And I, I'm not, I'm by no means great at meditation. That's yeah. it's such a weird, weird thing to say. Cause you'd like, I mean, if you listen, if you were to speak to someone who was like a great guru meditator, they would be like, you know, that's not the point, but the point, you know, I think what I mean more is that I'm inconsistent with meditation, but I have had the times where I'm like, Oh, you know, this is a great, it's like what you're saying that too. There's like a balance mm -hmm. and you do want to be able to visualize the future that you're trying to manifest, but you need to be present or you're going to miss your whole life. So, uh, I don't know, shout out meditation. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And a good way to visualize it too, is like re reflecting on like, how much time am I spending in the present? How much time am I spending in the past? And how much time am I spending in the future? Because a lot of people who are anxious people are people who are so much in the future and they're anxious about like, you know, what's going to happen and if they're going to be successful or, you know, fill in the blank. And then a lot of people who are depressed spend a lot of their time in the past. And like, if you're in like all of us feel spectrums of that, like, I don't think anyone's like for you of feeling anxiety or depression in their lives. So like, depending on like how you're feeling at like a certain point being like, huh, I'm kind of feeling a little bit more depressed or I'm feeling a little bit more anxious. Like, how can I get myself to be okay with what I'm doing in the present? Like what isn't hurting me or what is hurting me right now? And how can I, you know, set myself free from that? I think it's a really good way. Yeah. And like, you can kind of have that almost prayer, if you could say like in your meditation and, you know, it takes a lot of like having to repractice that. And, um, I think a lot of the time too, people, 
you know, put meditation as a thing that they have to be sitting on a pillow and in a dark room with candles and, you know, they have to have the perfect ambiance, but meditation could be something like you're on a hike and you, you sit on a rock for, you know, a couple minutes looking at the mountains and that's meditation, you know, yeah. or like you're even in your car and you need to take a couple like breaths and like, you just focus on that. Like, it doesn't have to be anything like grand or extraordinary. And like, I don't do the traditional way of meditation anyway, where I'm like, I should probably a little bit more, but I just try to find little windows of time in my day to like, kind of like thoughtfully, you know, take in some breaths and be like present with where I am, you know, even I don't really close my eyes when I meditate often, which like a lot of people do, but I like to be like kind of staring out one point. And I don't know if that helps other people listening, but yeah, that's kind of how I view meditation. This is going to sound really silly, but when you're talking about the way you view meditation and you just, and you brought this memory back to me and it comes to me all the time. Uh, and it's, it's, it's the very, I think it's maybe the first like thing, like when I was a kid where I saw someone supposedly meditating, I mean, it was in a movie and it wasn't real, but it was, uh, for me, uh, the very first movie that my mom let me go see by myself at the movie theater when I was a kid. I mean, she was in the movie theater, too, but she went and saw like a grown up movie. And mm-hmm. I went and saw uh, Ace, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective 2, oh, Nature yeah. Falls. And at the in the scene in the movie, when they go to the top of the temple and they go into uh, Ace Ventura's chambers, he's like meditating and he's like he's surrounded yeah. by like every animal and all like all like birds are landing on him and like tigers are sitting there calm be- beside him and he's just like cross-eyed and like doing a mantra and so that was really my first uh what I thought meditation was <laughs> but and yeah. I think but honestly says I think even to this day some people still think it is something kind of like that and unlike what you were saying too where it can be something very simple it doesn't mm-hmm. you don't have to climb 3,000 steps to a to a Buddhist monastery temple, like in the, you know, in the Himalayas, it's not, that's not required for some Mm -hmm. meditation. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and there's like different spectrums. If you really want to get in like deep meditation, you know, like maybe, I don't know, you, you would start, you know, doing more time and, you know, dedicate it to that. But I don't know. I, I don't really, I should get better at it. Actually. I don't really spend too much time at once meditating, but I just try to find little windows in my day where like, even if I'm driving, I'm just like, you know, paying attention to my breath even. And I don't know if you call that meditation or not, but something about grounding yourself, I feel like depends on what your, your purpose of meditation is too. Like, I think a lot of people just meditate and they don't really have a purpose of why they want to meditate. Yeah. And a lot of having a purpose of why you want to meditate, maybe it's because like, you're anxious about, you know, the future and you really want to be like more present and grounded for like your family and your friends, or maybe you're like, you know, having a hard time and like reliving traumas and stuff. And you don't want to be like in that state. So like, I feel like having a purpose of why you want to meditate, like, will you know, motivate you more too. And yeah. And to bring it back to what you were talking about earlier, the concept of uh, you know, how oftentimes uh, depression can be a result of living in the past and anxiety can be a result of uh, attempting to live in the future. And then that's not always true because like, oftentimes, you know, when I'm reliving the past, I'm actually just thinking about awesome memories because I've lived a really cool life and I have right. a lot of great yeah. shit to think about. And a lot of times also too, for, for me in the future, I'm always imagining myself doing something like super, super cool in the future. I mean, like not always. I'll dwell on some shit that I did mm-hmm. 10 years ago that I'm still like, oh, I want to do that. You know, like, I'm dep- you know, it's depressing. Yeah. Or whatever. And then like, same thing with the future. I'm like, Oh man, I'm, I'm blowing it. You know? So 
and not to continue like this on and on with meditation because it's not i mean that wasn't what we were kind of yeah <laughs> i have other things to get to but yeah. i guess just more to your point and what we were talking about is that there is that's what meditation can give you some control over is mm-hmm. that when you if you want to meditate and you want to sit down and if you want to have kind of like a a thought in your mind you know possibly it could be about a positive future outcome or it could mm-hmm. be about a cherished memory that's good that doesn't bum you out so yeah yeah, exactly. I think there's a positive and negative feeling like, yeah, I guess when I was like describing that, the depression and the anxiety that so like the negative feelings of the past and the future. And then I would describe like, you know, the positive parts of the, the past might be like uh, nostalgia and like, you know, having a, a positive memory that you get to share because that's the amazing part of the past is like these experiences and stories we get to share with our friends and family. And then, you know, the future is like the excitement of like what's to come and like you making plans with people. And um, so there's like, you know, positive and negative for both. But like, yeah, it's like also trying to have that pie chart, if you could say, like having a majority of it in the, the present, because typically more often than not, nothing's really hurting us like in this present moment and trying to like hone in on that if you are having negative feelings of the past or the present or the past or the future. Sorry. <laughs> Hold up. It's time for another My Views or My Own astrological reading. This week's horoscope is for Capricorn. Greetings, Capricorn. The planets have formed a new arrangement and investment opportunities may knock on your door. So try to seize them. Things may go smoothly on the financial front. You just need to watch your unnecessary expenses and spending. But beware, Nyalarthotep is wandering the earth, gathering legions of followers. I know what you're thinking, Capricorn. To Nyalarthotep, mighty messenger, must all things be told. And he shall put on the semblance of man and the waxen mask and the robes that hide and come down from the world of the seven suns to mock. Well, it's important to keep a positive attitude as you flee the crawling chaos and seek out the great palm. And there's even more good news. Jupiter is in your communication sector. So listen closely within the ethereal song to hear the child of the palm say, Now all is over, and beyond the Erinurian streams, we shall dwell blissfully into low. And most importantly, just try to have fun with it, and don't forget to have a good time. I hope this has been helpful, Capricorn. And now back to the interview. This is kind of a little bit of a segue, but I, uh, there and there are themes of this in your book, and it's also just uh, my own personal philosophy. So this is something that I guess like spoiler alert before i even ask i agree i agree with this but i maybe i yeah. shouldn't have said that before asking <laughs> bad interviewer doug bad interviewer anyway uh do you think that people with an addictive personality have the power in some capacity to direct their addictive tendencies towards something possibly healthy or productive like for instance uh being addicted to adventure or you know it could be many things but that's yeah. what we're talking about Mm-hmm. I, I do um, have the pleasure, I, I guess you could say, of knowing a lot of addictive people. I have a couple family members, I have friends, you know, who have addictive personalities. And, um, you know, just like any sort of, um, you know, mental, like illness, not illness, I don't want to say, but, you know, like, you know, people who struggle with anxiety or whatever it is, it's like, it, it goes under that spectrum is like, they just have an addictive personality. And if you like hone in on the very, like, it could be such a powerful thing too. Like I, 
my brother who has like a very addictive personality is like such a successful person because he hones in his like addictive nature into his like his job and then like being super present with his kids. He's, I have two nephews and he, you know, is like super into being a dad. Like I've never seen someone who's like, you know, ultra into being a dad other than my brother. So he like, you know, takes it to the next level. So I think a lot of addictive people kind of live life on like such a different spectrum, which isn't a bad thing. They just like, you know, have to be careful because they can be so powerful if they put it in the like right direction, but it can also be very, it's like a double-edged sword. It can also be super negative if they, you know, go down the route of like drugs or, you know, having a sex addiction or having a food addiction, whatever it is. Like, and like, I think all of us are like, we're not free of having addictions or like reliances on things and like just trying to be addicted to the right things is a positive thing that doesn't, you know, infringe on your life and, you know, create a problem. Cause even good things can be like addictions, like people who are addicted to exercise or even addicted to adventure, like you're saying too. And they're not like, they don't have enough time for their friends and family. So like even good things can be, you know, taken to the next level too. And when you were saying a double-edged sword, I'm just thinking about in my life and people I've known and uh, I've, I've lost some very close friends uh, to drug addiction and, you know, they passed away like uh, real young and like they could have lived very long lives. But the crazy thing is like, uh, you know, the people that are in my mind right now are some of the most adventurous uh, people I've ever known. People with like some of the biggest personalities, people love them. They're like, they're magnetic. They've got all that stuff, but there is that double-edged sword because they're, you know, even if these, you know, people that and sometimes, you know, they're, they're larger than life. They always want to be living uh, life to the fullest and having like, you know, the extraordinary experiences, but you know, at the same time, it, that's the thing too, is that they get, you know, once they get with, into drugs and then it's like, it's the same thing. They've got that, like that, that no fear type thing and they'll go further than anyone else, you know, and keep going and going until, you know, and then they die. So that's not to be, dep- to, not to be depressing, but yeah. just to say that there is that double-edged sword of uh, if you don't have at least, you know, I, there's, I guess you still have to have some measure of control over it mm-hmm. because it can definitely take you over. Even if you are like, like, like the friends, you know, that I'm thinking of my friends that have died, like though mm-hmm. they truly were adventurers, you know, and they would definitely have done everything they could to go see the entire world. They just didn't get the chance they didn't get to live that long. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I thought maybe I would just make, bring a real depressing note into the conversation. No, and that's super important too, because I, um, you know, after having family members, you know, struggle with that, you know, have to go to treatment, rehab, you know, I think the most important thing for those people that you do have in your life that are addicts for anyone listening is just like being that extra support, you know, like I think just having awareness and like making sure those people are getting the support and need that they um, you know, in order to, to thrive in their lives and not go down the other extreme as well. Cause sometimes, yeah, like addictive personalities can go from like, you know, they go from being drug addicts to them being extreme adventurers of some sort. And then they take very life risk taking, uh, measures with that. And like the important thing with that is like making sure that those people have, you know, support and care. And like, um, you know, I have family members who, you know, consistently go to AA meetings, NA meetings, have sponsors, friends as well you know and it's like about keeping that um that's that community and support like i i don't relate to that same you know addiction with those people but they need that community and support and like people talk to you when they're having that you know specific problem or addictive you know nature and like that is like 
the most important thing I'd say with that is just like making sure they're getting support and care and staying like aligned with their uh, healing. So I think it's just like a, yeah, it's like a constant thing. We all have to live with our, with ourselves and our problems. And, you know, some people live with a little bit more and just, you know, being sure that they are, you know, getting the care and support that they need. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel like we answered it to the best of our ability because I mean, it's, it is such a complex subject and, you know, mm -hmm. there's a, fortunately there's a lot of really great people in the world that are working on, you know, working on it every day. And, and mm -hmm. uh, you and I are not uh, super, yeah, unique and having lost people or, you know, having to have seen like sad stuff with addiction, but also we're both very lucky to have seen like a, the really cool, like I said, there's a cool side to addiction too. Cause yeah, if you're addicted to having like awesome adventures, you're going to live a very full life. So I guess, yeah. uh, yeah, like that's the thing is like, if you can, if you can find a way to focus it or steer it and steer it in the right direction, you know, it could end up being, uh, yeah, superpower too. So yeah, just making yeah, superpower. Sure that yeah. Yeah. It, it, the, the thing is with those people, they, they can go down the other hole so quickly too. That's just like the important thing that like, you know, if you kind of see them being a little off, it's just making sure that they're, you know, getting help. And I'm a huge advocate of therapy. You know, I think everyone should go therapy, you know, like someone has a broken leg, they go to the doctor, it's no different with your, your brain, you yeah. know, just not a visual <laughs> thing. And I think, you know, a step towards having a better, you know, society and community and support is just like, having that awareness and acceptance for people going to therapy. And like, I'm, I'm always like cheering on people who go to therapy. I'm like, heck yeah, get, go, go, go to therapy, you know, like get your mental health game on, you know, like, I think it's a super important thing that, you know, people, our society and, you know, us probably, you know, are good advocates of it, but there's not enough of like our whole general society being accepting of it. And like, you know, making sure that we are creating a more thoughtful and, you know, accepting society with, mental health and making sure people are getting the care they need. It's no different than any sort of other disorder or problem. It's just not a visual one, which is why our society has a problem accepting it, I think, and making sure that we are better and, you know, keeping the conversation alive and, you know, not shying away from it. Yeah. You know, uh, have you ever seen uh, the show, The Sopranos? I have not. Yeah, you don't have, you don't have to see it, but I'm sure you're okay. familiar with it. Like, Okay. Uh, yeah. Tony Tony Soprano is the head of the like this mafia group, and he's in mm -hmm. therapy. He's got mm -hmm. a he has a panic attack disorder and a generalized anxiety, and he so he, mm -hmm. he's seeing a therapist, but he has to keep it a secret. He can't let the rest of the mob know because you know they they have so much toxic masculinity and yeah. and backward crazy you know recidivist ideas about what therapy is, and you know. But I was watching. I remember when I first got into watching that show, and I was like and I got into it years after it had already been it's at its peak. So I was watching it and he's like, I have to keep, you know, if, if they find out I'm in therapy, they're not going to let me be the boss of the mafia anymore. Yeah. And I was like, you know, this is exactly why the mafia is losing. Because this is yeah. why, well, there is no mafia anymore, man. Cause they can't even go to therapy, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know that brings up a good point too, with like, uh, especially the male community, there's so much toxic masculinity as you're speaking of. And, it, it's like such a devastating thing to see, you know, the, you know, not so surprising, you know, statistics of, you know, male suicides to female suicides, because a lot of men don't feel like they can speak up of, you know, their problems and their struggles. And um, if for other people listening to, I just want to make sure that, you know, that there is help and, you know, it, it like, don't like be silent with your problems. And 
Um, I don't know what it's like to live in like a male point of view. And I'm trying to help encourage other uh, men in my life and, you know, create that as um as a place where it should be a strength, not a weakness. And um, I don't really know how to, you know, help, help articulate that even more, but I just want to, yeah, I hope we can start going down that. Whereas like having feelings and, you know, emotion isn't a sign of weakness, but strength. And um, I don't know why our society thinks it is, but, or isn't. Um, So I hope that we can start, you know, encouraging that. And I'm happy to see like the men in my life who, weren't in therapy before now they're in therapy or you know stuff like that and I think it's just about like even men to men I think that's even more important is like men who are in therapy or like seeking help be like like if they can and they feel okay about like expressing that like I think that'll help you know other men who are struggling silently and like want that uh care and assistance and they just don't feel like they can get it and that's you know I don't know really exactly how to stay in my lane with this but it's something on this podcast I brought it up a few times and I feel like it's my responsibility, you know, because like, I've had like a lot of like uh, issues with anxiety in my life. And it's one of those things as a dude, you're not supposed to like, you're, you know, I've personally felt like I was like, I need to keep this to myself because you know, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's not masculine or whatever to be Mm -hmm. anxious or have anxiety and it to have it be affecting. Like there'll be times like, where I will decide not to go do something that I actually want to do. because I got a high anxiety level that day. And I'm like, Oh, no, man, I don't want to, you know, put myself through it. So, you know, I take, I like to take the opportunity occasionally to just say that, you know, cause lots of people like think that I'm just like always laid back and that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, and then another thing on that too, that I, it's that, that I'm even more recently starting to realize is that I, I like, a, and this is, I think this is like a, for real with like men, not, this is like internationally, I think this is most countries, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this is a, an issue with men is where anger is the emotion that you uh, default to instead yeah. of your real emotion you're supposed to be feeling because mm-hmm. anger is the acceptable thing. Yeah. So, and you get pissed about something so stupid, you know, like, oh man, somebody did some shit in traffic and now you're just in your car and you're screaming. You're like, oh man, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. That's insane. You know, you're, and you're really just sad because your grandma died, you know, like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. it's like I mean, just mm-hmm. to bring, I mean, it could be anything, but I'm just saying like, right. it could be totally something from, yeah, like 20 years ago, completely unresolved. And now you're yeah. going to get in a fist fight in the middle of an intersection because you fucking don't know how to do, how to yeah. uh, realize what emotion you're actually feeling. So yeah. I don't know. I know. Like I said, like, I don't know how to stay in my lane with it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that is a, a very, um, a good point there too. And like, I've, you know, I've dealt with family members who also struggle with mental or not uh, with anger management. And, um, I think a lot of it is true to that. It's like, it's a disguise over what they're actually feeling and they don't feel like they can really express like the, the sadness or the anxiety, as you say. So anger is an easier one to hone in on because it's a more like quote unquote masculine, uh, expression than like crying or, you know, you're like not supposed scared. to cry that's so, yeah that's so, <laughs> that's so stupid man telling yeah you know, i know i don't really get why we decided that <laughs> I, i'm still very baffled by it all and trying to wrap my head around how how we can you know let those like everyone feel the spectrum of emotion and i feel i really feel for like my you know like all the the men in my life and stuff too that like they don't feel that space to be you know live life on all that spectrum of emotion and i'm really proud of the men that have you know, decided to 
stray away from that. And like my brother and stuff, like I'll be with him. He's like sobbing or like, you know, he'll be like very scared about something. And like, he's not afraid to express that. And, you know, I'm super proud of him or like other, you know, friends in my life too, who are like very, they're like, Oh, I was just so like anxious at this wedding, you know, rather than, you know, being angry about something. So it's really cool to see that it's starting to change, even if it's a small scale, but I really hope we can, you know, start making it at a larger scale too. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing we like when you're growing up too, and I, maybe things are changing and getting better these days. Is the kind of shit people say to you as a boy, they're like, yeah. they'll say, quit, gr- uh, quit crying, don't be a girl. Like, yeah, that's man, that's can you believe, can you imagine yeah. saying that to a child? <laughs> I know it's, it's so screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I, um, I cried at Forrest Gump. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> this is it's such a sad movie. I think everyone dies at that movie. If you don't, if you didn't cry when you saw Forrest Gump, yeah. You know what? I'm Society has got you messed up. You need to go and yeah. meditate. You need to go therapy. <laughs> All right. On a lighter note, I do. I have to ask this. I mean, we yeah. can't do an adventure adventure episode yeah. without talking about this. I know you brought up uh, being lost in the mountains as like a ten and all that stuff. And this question yeah. is, I know you've done a lot of adventures, so this is really mm-hmm. just kind of like you could pick anyone. It doesn't have to be, yeah, any one in particular. But uh, what is one of the most fun adventures you've ever been on? Some that really resonated with you, stuck with you. Yeah, I mean, just like in general, creating my whole life in Spain for two years was like that whole thing was such an adventure to me because, uh, it's like one thing to travel and, you know, even be somewhere for like a little while, but it's like a totally other thing to like live in another country that doesn't share the same language as your native language. And like every single day, it felt like a huge adventure because I was figuring out new and different ways to be like living in this different society and like realizing the norms of the U S is not the norms across the world. Um, so it was like such a, a thrilling experience and you know it came with its ups and downs for sure too like having to go to all the government buildings to try to get all my paperwork settled and having some interesting encounters there and like them not accepting certain paperwork and like having to go all around and trying to figure out that to like my um teachers at the school inviting me to like dinners at their house and having paella that's like super traditional and like having super unique and beautiful experiences I wouldn't have had I wasn't like living and really like involved in the community over there. So like living, like living in Valencia and then like working in a small town was like such a great combination. Cause I got to meet a lot of people who are my age in the city and like really like connect with friends that are over there that are, you know, come from Spanish, uh, you know, the background and then, you know, even other international backgrounds too, that was very interesting. And then, you know, having the experiences in a small town with like my students and, you know, the teachers and, you know, getting to be invited to their homes and like how warm and welcoming and, um, you know, trustworthy all the Spaniards are that it's just like yeah. such a different thing that like, they just like, you know, invite complete strangers in their house, like willy nilly, you know, <laughs> like Americans who like don't trust anyone and everyone's out yeah. to get you. It's just like such a different mindset. And I would say that is like, you know, the most extraordinary one I can think of was that. Did you ever go to, uh, Barcelona. Barcelona. <laughs> Barcelona. Yeah, I went I, to Barcelona. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say Barcelona. I did so, yeah, <laughs> so <it's funny>. <laughs> that question. <laughs> I did. I went there a couple of times. Um, yeah, I had the um the privilege of being able to travel almost all of Spain and you know, see the islands. I, you know, visit a lot of the islands too. And um it's, it's such a unique country and it's it's cool in the way that 
you know, every region speaks its own language even, or like they have Spanish as like the, the national language. And then each region has its own language as well, or not every region, but there's a lot of regions that have different languages in addition to Spanish. So like, for instance, in the Basque country, that's where I studied abroad and I first learned Spanish and they speak Basque, which is like nothing like Spanish at all. And I had no idea. I didn't know that existed. I thought it was like Spain and everyone just spoke Spanish, you know, and yeah. I get over there and like, I'm like the Basque country. And like, what is Basque language? And I was like, oh, I was so confused. I had never been so confused in my life. And, um, Did you have like, one of those uh, little tourist books and you were like, Hola amigos. Yeah. <laughs> Donde so like just those basic things that you learn in school. They don't really prepare you for Spanish in the real world in our school yeah. system. <laughs> Unless you go to some sort of like bilingual program, but I didn't I didn't do that. I just, you know, learned it in high school and a little bit in college. And and then, you know, really what I learned was just from being immersed into it and not even having the opportunity to speak English, which was great. It was really hard on my brain, but it really helped. Um, like living with the host family for a whole semester and they didn't speak any English. The most English they knew was like winter is coming from oh, Game yeah. of Thrones. Awesome. <laughs> hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna know one phrase in English, that's a good one to know. I know. I thought that was very funny. I was like, that's the one phrase you know. I was like, all right. <laughs> and you're like, all right, hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> Hold up. It's time to check the mailbag. Every week on the show, we check the mailbag to see if anyone has written a message or question into the show, and we read it out loud. Uh, this week, we got a couple messages, and if I read your screen name wrong, that's not my fault. That's somebody else's fault. The first question comes from Teak Esmond. Teak Esmond wrote, Burnside Bridge, you in Portland. I think you're probably talking about when I was posting a bunch of uh, me at the Burnside Skate Park on social media without a skateboard. And the answer is, yes, I was in Portland, and I did some pretty sick freestyle walking in your skate park. Thank you. You have a wonderful city. And thanks for writing into the show, Teak Esmond. The next message comes from Tiff's It. And the question is, your best and worst memories of 2021. Well, I feel like I could pretty much wrap that all up into the same week when my appendix exploded and then when I got home and they had me on a bunch of opiates from my abdominal surgery and then I couldn't poop and, it, and after a few days it hurt so bad and that was probably my worst memory of the year was how bad I had to poop and I couldn't do it. But then I took a bunch of laxatives and I quit taking the opiates and then when I finally pooped it was like I felt like I was pooping on top of Mount Everest and it was like a really good memory. So I hope that answers your question. Thanks for writing into the show, Tiffsit. And we have one last question here from Ethan Wukachurin. And Ethan wrote, Are you more concerned about the Megatron or Delta Plus Rewards strain of COVID? Well, Ethan, let me tell you a little story about a Decepticon named Megatron. You know, because his beginnings started from the gladiator state of Tarn. And Megatron and the Decepticons were the first one who developed transformation, uh, using it to begin the war against the Autobots, who fought back by mimicking the technology. And what I have to say about that in relation to airlines is that they think that I don't notice, but I've been seeing that the seats are getting smaller and smaller. And every time I fly, I notice there's less legroom and the seat itself is smaller. And people say things like, no, Doug, you're just getting fatter and you just don't fit in the seat as well as you used to. And I'm like, no, that's 
my eyeballs, I'm not, my vision isn't getting fatter. I can see that this chair is smaller. So anyway, I hope that answers your question, Ethan. And thanks for writing into the show. And that will be that for the mailbag. And now back to the interview. Uh, this is from your book. And it's, uh, what is your philosophy on the power of time? Yeah. So I, I talked a little bit about like the science and, you know, just my own personal beliefs with time. Um, but it's very interesting. I, I've discovered in life that you can't change the, the process of time. Time is just moving at a continuum and it's just moving at a consistent, you know, pace. And we've just decided seconds and minutes are, you know, how we divide that, but you can't change that. However, you can change the way you perceive time. And like that happens from, you know, taking on experiences that are new and different, trying new foods, trying to learn a new skill, you know, doing things that are completely new to you is the way you really like maximize that perception of time because it actually activates these chemicals in your brain that slow down the way you're actually perceiving time. You know, for, for instance, I kind of compare it to like when I see a movie for the first time versus seeing a movie for the second time, you know, like the first time the movie feels like it, you know, went at a slower pace. And the second time you see it, you're like, wow, that felt so much quicker. Yeah, you yeah. have that yeah, feeling. For sure. Like, yeah, I understand. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of the way I perceive um, <clears throat> time in life as well. And if you want awesome. to get the most out of it, just, you know, challenge yourself as much as you can, you know, taste all the different foods, go to all the different places you want to go to and, you know, keep, keep doing that. This is uh, kind of on the same uh, trajectory, and that's uh, what is the value of adding uh, spontaneity to your life? Yeah, I think that kind of goes with the same thing of like experiencing new and different things. And it's like it kind of goes hand in hand, like spontaneity is almost like like a way of like surprising ourselves, you know, um, yeah. and like kind of triggering that part of our brains even too. And I think um, being spontaneous is important just to like, add that flavor and excitement to life too. If everything was just like predictable and you knew what you're going to do all the time, it would just become boring and plain vanilla Whereas spontaneity just kind of allows you to be random. And, um, it just, it's more exciting. And I'm a very spontaneous person. And I just, you know, kind of decide random things like, Oh, it's the middle of winter. Let's go jump in the river. You know, let's yeah. do random <laughs> river and my, my friends are like, what, let's, what you wanted to go do that. Or, um, yeah, I just, it's fun to add that extra little, flavor that's one of the things i can recall in my life that i refused to do when i was with a group of people and everybody's like yeah we're out doing doing a polar plunge we were at the potomac <laughs> river and they had to like bash like a, a hole in the ice ice was so thick you could drive a jeep on it wow. and they found a spot where they were able to knock out a big hole in it and everybody got uh -huh. in there like everyone had their swimsuits on like under their yeah. coats and i was like i'll tell you what i'm gonna do I'll film you guys doing this shit, but I'm not taking off my <laughs> boots or my coat or getting in this water. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I have used the term uh, wow factor probably a thousand times in my life and, yeah. and it probably you know, meant something different by it every time. Uh, mm -hmm. But what exactly do you mean by the wow factor in relation to adventure and living a kick-ass life? Yeah, I just think it's those moments like true bliss and you not wanting to be anyone else in that moment, but yourself. And you feel like you're the luckiest person in the world. Um, and sometimes that happens in like really random moments. And you don't even realize like why you feel that in that certain moment. Like for me, sometimes I'm like looking at my nephews and they just like absolutely love me. And that feels like a wild moment or, you know, being able to like travel 
somewhere new and different, I feel just like the luckiest person ever. Um, even though there's a lot of people who can make that happen if they just like work, like I wasn't lucky to make it happen. I just made it happen based off of, you know, deciding to go work and live there. Um, so things that you, you know, look back and you feel like you just like are you know, the most amazing in person you could be in that moment of your life. So yeah, I guess there's like a, it's a little bit of like cultivating a wow factor and also just being present and aware enough to be able to, to uh, experience or be aware of the wow, wow factor when it's happening. Yeah, kind of makes yeah, sense. exactly. And like, sometimes that even just happens from like being with the right person at the right time. Like I, I could, like in my book, I was discussing my uh, uncle and I running on this trail. We were doing like a really long run and we were just like looking, it was like a really nice summer day and we were overlooking the, this canyon and there's this river and it was just like such a beautiful moment to me. And I just felt, you know, like at wow at that moment. And, you know, and I, I really, you know, connecting with that, my uncle at that time, you know, cause you, you don't get those moments back. Sometimes you never know how precious they are unless you like recognize it right then and there. And sometimes that, you know, after losing people, like you've experienced loss and stuff and like, you can think back at those moments, but it's so much better if you can like appreciate it then and there, you know, it, it gives you that extra level of, I don't know, acceptance for, you know, whatever is to come later on. It kind of allows me to feel okay with that. I don't know why, but like right now I have this like incredible urge to listen to the song. Wow. By Post Malone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good song to listen. Yeah. Get my bottles, these bottles are lonely. It's a moment when I show up, got saying wow. But Zoe, I have to tell you this. We are getting dangerously close to the lightning round. I have to tell okay. you how the lightning round works. This is okay. the part, this is like the game part of the podcast. I'm going to ask right. you questions. They're going to be super fast and you don't have time to think. You just have to answer as fast as you possibly can. All right. And before we start, I must apologize because I think you may have gotten one of the most difficult lightning rounds, uh, <laughs> one of the most maybe ever. And you also kind of wrote the lightning round for me. So, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but I like, I tell everyone always, you can always just say like, if, if for some reason you're just like your brain freezes and you don't know, yeah. you're like, you're like, uh, you can always say pass, because, Okay. but at the end of your book, you have this section that I was uh, looking at and it was called, uh, recommended further reading. Uh -huh. I, was looking through it. I haven't, I haven't read a single book on this list that you put in oh, here. Really? So for the lightning round, what I'm mm -hmm. going to do is I'm going to say the title of the book and the author. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm not going to say like in as few words as possible, but, yeah. but you know, in a very, very short, brief thing, you tell me maybe like why the book, like why it's important to you or uh, uh -huh. why maybe I would like it or just what it's about. Like you can, mm -hmm. you can answer it in any of those ways. And then mm -hmm. after the lightning round, I will decide which one of these books I'm going to add to my reading list, which is already a mile long. So I can't uh -huh. add them all. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick based on your okay. lightning round. Does that sound like yeah. a fair, a fair shake? That sounds fair. All yeah. right. <clears throat> lightning round. Uh, first book, the chimp paradox by professor Steve Peters. Our brain, our brains are, um, you know, uh, prehistoric. Okay. Okay, cool, cool. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Savannah principle. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, like is that okay? Like just like one sentence, like short yeah, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Lightning yeah, round. Okay. Yeah, no, actually, this is the, this is how this is supposed to work. Typically, okay. my lightning rounds just go so far off the rails so fast that yeah, I might as well have not even said it was a lightning round. But this yeah. one's gonna work. All right, okay. you are a badass by 
Jen Sincero. Um, live life to the fullest. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. Don't give a fuck what other people think. Live your truest life. Sapiens, A Brief History of Mankind by Yuval Noah Harari. <laughs> Too much to explain in one sentence. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just assume it's really good. Yeah. Uh, the Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Paulo Coelho. Paulo Coelho, the yeah. Alchemist. I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, finding your personal legend. Ooh, I like that a lot. That sounds pretty mm -hmm. fucking cool. Uh, <laughs> My book. Jonathan Livingston Siegel by Richard Bach. Being okay with being different. And how about Educated by Tara Westover? Oh, the power of knowledge. And one last one. This is a good lightning round because we really burned through it. I know I skipped a lot of the books on here, but I mean, yeah. come on, man. All right. Yeah. Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. Uh, power of vulnerability. Um, Man, they all sound so good. Do you want to pick for me or should I pick? Pick what, another book. Oh, which no, which book I'm going to add to my oh. reading list. Oh, I would say uh, for a fiction book, The Alchemist. That was what I was going to say. All yeah. Right. Ding, 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 ding. It's my all-time favorite book. All right. Yeah. So anybody listening, the winner of uh, Zoe's uh, suggested further reading at the end of her book, the winner is The Alchemist. I'm sure a lot of you have already read it, but if you haven't, I'm going to read it. So... That's it. That's the last lightning round. You win. We all win. I approve. <laughs> um, but I do have one last question for you. This is not a lightning yeah. round question. This is a, uh -huh. the most important question of mm -hmm. the entire day. And that is, Zoe, where can people find you? Where can they find your book? Uh, I believe you have a newsletter. Uh, mm -hmm. So on. I mean, I should stop talking. You should start talking. Where can people find you and all that you do? Yeah, so I would say if you want to keep up with the adventures I'm doing and um, more information about my book, I'd follow my Instagram. It's uh, zoe.falk.author. Um, and then I would say to find my book on Amazon, uh, look up The Adventure Guide to Living a Kick-Ass Life or look up my name, Zoe Falk, and it will come up. Um, and you can also find me on my website at zoefalk.com. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I have to say, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with you. Once again, thank you so much for autographing this book. I'm, it's going to be one of my prized books on my bookshelf. And eventually <laughs> I will go read The Alchemist. Maybe it'll, it'll be a long time for now. It's, it's at the yeah. end of a long list, but it's on the list now, thanks to you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, have a great day, Zoe, and yeah. thank you. Thanks, Doug. I really appreciate it. Um, and thank you, everyone who's listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening to My Views Are My Own. If you like the show, please uh, leave a review or a rating wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you'd like to contact me, you can contact me at myviewsaremyown.com or on Instagram at myviewsaremyown underscore podcast or on Twitter at myviews underscore podcast. Thank you. <laughs>